Monday, welcome to the spiritual travels of a fire wolf. This is Christy. We are here. Today's episode I'm really excited about because one of my, I don't even know how to, Vanessa Jiha is the guest today. She is somebody who we have basically, we're fam, we're family. We're Baltimore family, and um, we met at a little bar called Zissimo's Bar in Hamden, Baltimore, doing open mics, and I used to run an open mic, and we were just, you know, slogging it out together in, in B-more, and there was a group of us the same time, same year in 2018, that all sort of migrated to Los Angeles at the same time. So Vanessa and I spent a lot of time together, both in Baltimore and LA over the years. And she is just a wonderful comic and she's still out there. She's still out there in LA right now amid a lot of really tough choices and things going on that are tough when you're questioning certain things in society. So, you know, she she mentions in here that she goes and performs at Venice Beach and Santa Monica. I had the pleasure of joining her in Venice Beach to do an outdoor open mic on the boardwalk. It was a blast with a friend and we made so many friends on the beach and uh, the homeless community that lives at Venice Beach, you know, are pretty much the coolest people who, you know, we were talking to people who live by the beach, you know, and it's a different community and it's tough because now I have a day job where I work with a lot of, I would say, fancy people. Maybe I'm stereotyping, but the way I view it, it's like people that have families and like, you know, have stories about their wedding photographer and things like that and things I can't relate to. And uh, I was on a conference call a couple weeks ago or like a conference meeting on Zoom and it was like, people asking or talking about Venice and I just like smiled and I I didn't want to be like um it's a lot different than it was a couple years ago but you know if you go to California California is in a very different place than it used to be and uh, my friend Vanessa has she's stuck it out she talks about her travels to Benet during this uh, pandemic experience and I just really admire my friend Vanessa. I really think that, you know, if you ever come across her work, she's not just a comedian, she's an artist. She's extremely spiritual and just always has just deep insights. And I'm really bad at interviewing you guys. Like, I'm learning. Um, I'm, I'm interviewing on a phone recorder app. So for me, it's, it's been an experience cause I'm not face to face with people right now and I get really excited. So when I listen back, like if you hear me, like get really excited and I apologize, but hopefully, you know, um, 
I'll get better in the future, hopefully. I will get um, a better program where I can kind of not be as nervous because I'm not the best on phone calls and uh, I'm, I'm trying. So thank you for sticking with this podcast because I just know a lot of amazing people and stand up over the years and like, you know, and even through, you know, the spiritual community and I really want to help people get their stuff out there that maybe haven't been able to to get their stuff out there um so thank you for listening to the spiritual travels of firewolf and without further ado my friend fellow stand-up comedian vanessa jiha is really good when I listen to your podcast on uh, on Instagram. I mean, I haven't gotten a chance to listen to it on Spotify yet because I think I have to pay for a membership first. Yeah, and I'm a broke have... comedian. So. <laughs> <laughs> the one that I have is on my phone, the Spotify, and it it's free, but there's a lot of commercials. Oh, okay. You have to skip to a lot of commercial. Okay. Yeah. How? How? Thank you for for being on today. This is your second time on the podcast. I'm so. And the first time you were on the podcast, you were about to go overseas, I believe. Yeah, I was going to Benin. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to Africa to spend some time there. You know, get away from the whole COVID thing. Yep. How is um and I know we've we've spoken about this in private, but how is the situation being handled overseas in Benet as opposed to say somewhere like Los Angeles? Well, um overseas, especially like in Africa, people don't care and I feel like if even if they wanted to care they wouldn't have, they wouldn't be able to because, you know, in Africa, people are poor. Because this whole quarantine thing, it's only possible in Western countries anyway. Like, nobody can quarantine when they're poor. It's impossible. And wearing a mask and everything, people don't even have money to get a mask. So it's not, it's not much of a big deal. And I'm like, wait, is this COVID just, 
I don't know. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. don't make no sense because poor people don't have the means to, I don't know, protect themselves per se and quarantine themselves, but yet they're still okay. And I'm like, okay, what what's going on? Yeah. (laughs) I I always ask myself, how come I can, when I was delivering, like, Postmates, why can I deliver Postmates in every single state in the U.S., which I delivered Postmates in in various states around the U.S. to various different neighborhoods and Instacart, and I can still do that. But yet the media is like freaking out all the time and I can just drive to Utah and go bring a whole neighborhood Instacart groceries, you know? Mind control is why. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. You know, yeah. and you were <laughs> you were talking to me about the robots in LA delivering food and right before I left I saw like I was walking down Melrose and this refrigerated robot just goes past me on Melrose mm. Avenue. It was so creepy. <laughs> like, and I'm telling you, it's so sad because now I'm feeling like when we get, when we're going to be older, we're probably going to tell our kids that, oh, I remember a time when they were in robots everywhere. And today, even you need a robot to check your, your breath, your your prostate, and all these things. Like, it's not even going to be doctors anymore, you know. It's going to be a robber putting their hands on you, like, touching your boobs and to, to see if you're, you know, the mammogram and stuff. Yeah. It's not going to be humans very soon because they're going to be like, oh, these robots can detect anything really quick. It's going to be like that. I see it. I see it turning Robo- into that. Robo-doctors. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they're not going to need doctors anymore because, I mean, if you think about this, uh, we're short of doctors because it takes so long to go to school to become a doctor. And if a robot can just be programmed to do this, and, and you know, and medicine, well, they're saying it's science. I feel like it's not, it's, it's more spiritual than science, but, well, they say it's 100% science. So if it's 100% science, that means, it can be programmed easily into a robot to detect anything. And are we going to need doctors anymore, human doctors? I don't know. I mean, the world is, we've watched the world completely change between you and I starting, you know, being in Baltimore, Maryland, mm-hmm. doing stand-up at Zissimo. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I remember that. And Zissimo. Is it is it still open? Is Zissimo still open? They're still Have open. You... Oh, okay. But they recently had to close their doors again due to the mm. Omicron. Oh, yeah, that invisible thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the sad part is they're a full comedy, like a, a beautiful comedy club now. Like, oh, they... Wow. Yeah, it made me so sad because it was right before everything went down. Um, I don't remember what. I think it was like early 2020. Mm-hmm. It, 
and they they shut down for a couple months and, mm. and converted it to a comedy club with tables. It's beautiful. Wow. Mm. Wow. Mm. Well, I hope they open back up when all this madness is over. Yeah, I do too. And I, you know, I, I want to introduce my friend Vanessa Jiha. She's an amazing comedian. Um, hey. Creative. <laughs> yep. I'm Vanessa Jiha. I'm a stand-up <laughs> comedian, and I also host a podcast show called Vanessa's Funny. Oh no, VIF Madhouse, which is Vanessa's Funny Madhouse, and it's on YouTube. And also, I've posted some shorts on TikTok. Yep, that's hilarious. pretty much no TV <laughs> credits. <laughs> YouTube oh, credit. You're so funny. You're so smart. You're so, and Thank I miss you. you so much. And thanks. Um, mm-hmm. You're out you there. Too. Yeah. You're out there. You're still in LA. <laughs> I'm still in LA still. Though I don't really go out to do open mics anymore in LA. I'm staying more in LA for spiritual reasons now. Uh, like even when I want to do my mics now, I go on the beach. Remember how we went on the beach the other time to do mics? Yeah, yep, I go on the beach by myself to do the mics. Um, I don't know why my soul don't want me to go to open mics anymore, but that's how I do my open mics now on the street. Yeah. That's, and you're so Vanessa took she was so are you still going down to is it Venice Beach that you're mainly going to? Yeah, Venice Beach, um, now sometime on, in Santa, Moni, Santa Monica Beach or oh. Town Center, yeah. I miss it out there. That is, to me, that is L.A. Like, that's, that's yeah. the, like, Santa Monica, Venice. That's where I, I mean, when I first moved to L.A., that's where my, I transferred yoga studios from Baltimore to to Santa Monica, and that was the first place I went, and I was like, this is home. This feels like. <laughs> it feels like Baltimore was in a little way, like not well. Actually, Venice does too, but it's almost like this, like sort of merging of. Did you ever go to Ocean City? Ocean City in Maryland. Yeah. No, never. Ocean City, Maryland has the boardwalk there, and it reminds me a lot of Venice Beach, but with mm. palm. <laughs> it's like really oh, wow. pretty. Yeah. Oh, I need to go there one day. Yeah, it's like, but it's like Maryland, so it's a lot of, like, rednecks on the beach. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I, I dated a redneck before, actually. Uh, I met him on Plenty of Fish, and that was a website (laughs) back in the day, and... I had a dress on. We're supposed to go on a date, and he showed up with a motorcycle. And I was like, okay. He was supposed to take me, and I just climbed on a motorcycle. And I thought we were going somewhere close. And this dude drove me on a motorcycle from Baltimore to Pennsylvania. I was like, what? what's going on? <laughs> And then we got to Pennsylvania. He was like, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm driving all the way here because, you know, there's this nice restaurant I really want you to try. And I'm like, okay, you should have told me since Baltimore we were going to Pennsylvania. 
I didn't know we were going to Pennsylvania. And, you know, the motorcycle is so fast. I didn't want to distract him. I was just wondering, why are we sitting on the motorcycle for two hours? <laughs> and I have a dress on. I don't even have a pants or anything, like, for motorcycle. I was like, oh, no. Oof. Like, flies and all kind of shit. But, mm. <laughs> <laughs> the motorcycle goes really fast. So they have, like, these little flies that just die on <laughs> So wait, what restaurant did he take you to? One of those fast food. And I was like, well, you you drove all the way here for fast food. I don't know, moms and pops, something. I don't know. But (laughs) he was like, okay, these guys. And then he showed me his truck. He was like showing his truck off because I guess he lived in Pennsylvania. So he wanted me to go there, I guess. But he didn't tell me we're going there. So he was showing me off, showing off his truck, like with tall wheels, and I just couldn't wait to go back to Baltimore. <laughs> oh my God, that's yeah. hilarious! Look at my yeah. truck. Right, and he was like, he was so proud of his truck. I gave me his phone to take a picture of him and his truck, and I was just like, is this a date with your truck? And I'm just a third wheel. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you bring your truck to come get me? And we could look that's at another your one. Like, <laughs> I guess he wanted he wanted to show off his motorcycle too. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Maybe the redneck neck things. You know, like look at my truck, my motorcycle. I don't know. You know, I'm African, so our cultures are different. I guess I still respect that, but just not for me. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Well, I will tell you, a guy driving a truck or a tractor is something that really is hot to me. So I have a little little bit of redneck in my blood. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. I mean, I, I, maybe you would, have loved, you would have loved him. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was a very nice guy, but, you know, I just, I just couldn't do it. Like, it, it was just all weird and... Yeah. Oh my God! Please, please talk about this on stage that you have flies like hitting you. Right, because driving from Baltimore to Pennsylvania, he was riding really fast on a motorcycle, and he didn't bring me um, how do you call those? A, a, a cask. He didn't bring you like a helmet type thing. No, he didn't bring me a helmet. I mean, I, he had the little thing that I could put on my head, but the face part wasn't, there wasn't no glass or anything to cover. So I had to put my head down the whole time because every time I lift my head up, I could feel the little flies. So. <laughs> so here you are, you get ready for a date. I just, guys need to step it up. I'm sure, guys. <laughs> right, I don't know. I guess since he heard I was African, he thought, yeah, she's going to love these, you know, like, oh no, mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, now that guy is going to be having to compete with robots. Right. <laughs> I feel like people are going to be dating robots very soon anyway, so it's <laughs> not going to be a surprise. <laughs> it's going to be a new site. Get your mammogram and also go on a robot date. Exactly. I mean, the way life is going, 
I don't know. If I had a way, because I believe in reincarnation, but if I had a way, I wouldn't want to come back because the way life is going, I'm like, it's going to be very hard for humans, especially humans from the bottom, like from the lower social ladder. It's not going to be very easy in the future. Yeah, I think you told me that before, that this is your, you want this to be your last lifetime. Yeah, I want this to be my last life, yeah. I don't want to come back on earth ever. You know what? I don't, I, care, I don't care. I don't care how good my life is supposed to be after this. I don't care if I get billions. I, I, there's nothing that I can get on this earth that can really uh, make me want to stay here. I don't want to stay. Yeah. The material world. Nope. Um, I spoke to someone last two weeks ago that she does the law of attraction readings and she said that you know our our other side soul mm-hmm. um comes to planet earth because we're here to be in creative energy yeah and i think of i actually thought about you because you're legit one of the most creative people i've ever met in my entire life Oh, I'm so flat. Thank you. <laughs> it's You're big. Big. Thanks. I just, I'm sorry. It's just, and you're, oh, you're in numerology too. Yeah. I, I, you know, I like numerology, but I, I'm still getting into it. I'm not really, I don't really know much of it. Yeah. But, I mean, coming from a family where, like, no one is, like, uh, going back down to my grandfather and grandmother, creating is never was never really part of our lineage, like, the lineage where I'm from. Nobody is, like, creating or anything. Like, if you, if you try to be creative, like, you know, painting, music, or being a speaker or something, so then that's, like, madness. So um, because of my, I guess, creativeness I've been like pretty much um I wouldn't say excommunicated from my family but I can tell that I can tell everybody just like think I'm like the weirdest person they've ever met in my family like yeah like you could tell you know the silence No one wanting to be too close to you and stuff. It's weird. It's sad, but actually, but it's also nice because then I get to be alone and meditate, you know. (laughs) It's tough when you're kind of, I mean, I think most creatives in their family are a little bit of the outcast or the one that's like, and I know that your family, well, you have family out there now, I think, still, or, or that moves out there. In L.A., uh, yeah, my my little sister who's in the Army moved to L.A., and she's with uh, my other younger siblings, and my older sister, she's here, and she gave birth to a, to a little girl. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's so pretty, I know. <laughs> she's, like, she's so cute. And I remember she was born, like, the week, like, was it the last week, August, because I, I saw you. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so um, it's so interesting because you are kind of like 
I would I would say your energy and I, the thing that really pisses me off, Vanessa, is you're so creative, you're so amazing, you have so much to give, and then LA shuts down, or not that LA is shut down again, but I see that and 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 let me know if this is kind of a wrong interpretation. But there are so many amazing creative people that are kind of getting shunned now in in the city of Los Angeles based on kind of being what a comedian or a creative should be is you know here's here's creative should point out what's going wrong in society and and make right. fun of it right, and that's what you're doing, yeah, but you know things are slowly changing, I guess you need to. We need to um, rethink on how to do things because things are changing really fast. Like the way Steve Harvey and Bill Bird or, let's say, Elaine made it in stand-up comedy, I don't think it's the same. We have, you know, I don't think you, you need to take the same, you have to take that same path today. You know, there's social media, there are different things now and I feel like we need to use them all these things have been created by other humans for a reason you know just to make it easier for us I don't know if it's making it easier or harder but I feel like as human beings we we can we, we always find a way and make a way and I feel like this new age is so different and there's definitely a lot we can do with it and that's the feel- reason why I, huh Oh, um, well, it's just how do you feel about this new age? Like, how does it, like, and do you, would you, would you consider it like the age of Aquarius? Well, I think it is, according to books, what they're saying is the age of Aquarius right now. I'm not sure it's uh, according to, I'm I'm not sure if um, there's some other, how can I say this? There's some other, um, Mm, uh, I don't know numerology out there that can say or the wise that okay this is not the Aquarian age. What do you think? Is this the Aquarian age? I think that it should. I think that it was. I don't think there's a. But like, on the 21st of December of last year, mm-hmm. we had a final conjunction. And this one was particularly with Jupiter and Saturn. Right. And I think it was a main, like, and now, but I think we've been kind of edging into it the last. Mm, Okay. But it's also interesting to hear because you have... Sight. Like you have a particular sight that I think kind of puts you ahead of the times. Um, I don't, maybe. <laughs> I guess you're looking from outside, so yeah, I guess. And yet, like, I don't know if you believe in like star people or star seeds. Arcean? Yeah, like people that come from like the stars. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, trust me, I don't, I don't disbelieve anything to be honest, because 
um, I discovered so much, especially when I went to Benin. You know, there's there's so many things happening out there and so many things that I didn't even think were possible, and I saw it happening before my eyes. So anything is is really possible because, I mean, if you think about this, the physical world that we're looking at is really influenced by this a spiritual world that we can't see, you know? So it's, so anything could really be possible because, I mean, I can't see half of what's happening, even more than half of it. So who am I to say something is not true, you know? How is it that, do you think the, the U.S., like the energy of the United States is under like a spell? Mm, is he under a spell? Hmm. Um, to be honest, um, I mean, definitely the energy of the United States, I, I believe, is controlled by the elite. You know, like there's there's some elites up there that are controlling it, and that's the reason why so many people are attracted, especially poor people, are attracted to America, so that it can be under the control. Because that's I feel like that's their plan. But I don't want to sound crazy, but um, because I because when I'm in America versus in a third world country, I can feel the difference on the control. Like when I'm in a third world country, I feel so much freedom. And it's interesting and very ironic because America is supposed to be the land of the brave and the free. But when I'm outside of America, I feel freer. I feel so free. Yeah, I went to China and I felt like I was freer in China more than America. Like I felt like there was a hold that was lifted off of me. I feel like, I don't know, I could just be a human being. You know how, you know, a tree in the forest versus a tree in a garden type you know? That's how I felt. I felt like I was a tree in the garden and I was taken out of the garden and I was thrown in the forest and I felt home. I feel so home in third world country. I don't know if maybe because that's where I grew up from. I don't know, but I just feel like it's just free and and less control and you can just be a human being because a human being cannot be, it's not supposed to be controlled. Yeah, we're here to be creative. We're here to bring, we're here to do something beautiful. I feel like, you know, that's why I left LA and I know that you said that you feel that there's still spiritual work for for you in LA I feel that control that I think that's putting it into words like I felt for example this is a huge reason why I left LA and people can call me crazy all they want right but when you walk through West Hollywood they have these like cameras on every like light pole almost now Mm. and I felt like I'm being watched. I feel right. crazy for thinking mm-hmm. that I'm being watched, but I feel like people are on those cameras watching us. No, you're not crazy. The they are watching you. Yeah, they are watching you. It's going to turn to China. I mean, in China, they have those cameras too, but I don't know, for some reason, I, st- <laughs> I still felt free because I don't know, I guess because I saw people's walking around the street drinking alcohol and I feel like, oh yeah, you can just drink alcohol on the street. Yay. 
But yeah, I think they're trying to copy China on that. Yeah, but it's like how does and and I know we talked a little bit before, but energetically, when you're in LA now, like how how does it feel now to you in general? Um. Well, first, let me go back to Benang. I feel like. After going to Benin, you know, I I did a lot of spiritual work in Benin. So when I came back in LA, the spiritual work I did in Benin make me make made me feel like I could just live anywhere, and I could just feel home anywhere. You know what I mean? Like it, I'm in LA right now. I feel home because I feel like the spirits want me to be here. Because I mean, if you think about how I I got in LA. And here it is. I came to LA. I didn't have a place to stay. I was staying in a dorm. I told you I got I got scammed. Like I was trying to get an apartment. I got scammed. I lost all my money because I was trying to pay for the whole year. So I lost fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah. So I ended up on the street, and I was like, okay, what do I do? I slept in dorm. There, there, there was this hotel, hostel with like. Uh, Mm, all the 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 beds, you know those beds that have like one of the bad one on top. So oh, I, yeah. yeah. So I was in one of those beds, and then at the end of every twenty eight days, they kick me out, and I have to sleep in my car for like at least two days before I come back in. So around that time, I was just crying. I lay down on the beach, and I was like, you know what, the universe, I don't know what you want from me right now, but. Whatever you want, I surrender. Like I don't care anymore. I can be, I can be living in a tent. I'm still gonna be happy if if you're trying to take away all the material stuff from me because I don't need it. Then take it. You know what I mean? I don't mind. I'll be on the on the street. Just please protect me so no one can, no one rapes me. You know, I just said that and I lay down on the beach and I was just sleeping. I slept on the beach for almost like seven hours and then. Out of nowhere, a friend called me, and he was like, "Hey, there's this place uh, that's going out for rent." I didn't like I said, I didn't go out and look for this place, okay? And you know, I think you should, you you'll be a good fit for this place. And I was like, "Wow, how did you even know that I needed a place?" So I was able to get get this place. You know, I could afford the place, and I looked, and he had you know one. Next to the my home, there's this park with beautiful trees, and you know I'm on the third floor, and three is my life path number, and the house where the the room where I'm, uh, my house number is three three two, which is number eight, and I have a lot of eight eight house energy in my chart, so I feel like yo this this is just you know the spirit and the universe guiding me. So I took the place and I'm here and I wanted to move out of this place. I wanted to move out, but the spirit told me, no, this, you can't move out yet. You still need to stay here. Then I found out one of the reasons why I was supposed to go through all this is because I needed to learn how to be humble, pretty much break down my ego and give away my ego. And that's how I created the Kokoro character from G.I.F. Madhouse. Kokoro is a spiritual being who is still discovering the earth, who doesn't know about human ways. He, that means he has no ego. He hasn't been tamed into becoming, into becoming a human on earth. So he's discovering everything for the first time. 
he's he, he's being himself. He, nothing is awkward or weird to him because the ego is gone. Because things, because usually when we look at something and we think, oh, this is awkward or or I'm better than this or I'm less than this, it's all just ego. So I realized I needed I realized I needed to like break down my ego and be as humble as possible because you know. I felt like, yo, I'm way too lucky not to be humble. You know, just being here, when I think about my life, how I grew up and everything, I felt like, you know, I'm just so lucky, man. I mean, that's why I need to be the most humble person ever because the universe did the most for me, you know. Like, I need to let go of the money. I need to let go of all the material things because before, before that, I was I was chasing material stuff a lot. Like you think about all of it. I went and got a degree. I got into stock market. I was I was trying to be, you know, successful in people's eyes and everything, but something kept telling me this is not your life, you know. So I felt like I feel like I still need to be in LA because I still need to learn some some other lessons, you know. So I feel home here because I feel like this spirits want me to be here yeah well i just want to check when when were you sleeping on the beach uh when was i sleeping on the beach that was uh when which month was that around the time when my niece was born around that office yeah i didn't didn't know i would have oh no i no no i wouldn't tell anybody because i knew that was that was a spiritual journey that I needed to do on my own. You know what I mean? I know, but it's that time. That time, you know, if I'm ever out there and living out there, I just, yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll talk. I'll, I'll send you a text message. It's just I never would want to know that. Oh, no, it, it's cool. It's cool. But sometimes sometimes you got to, those things need to happen. You know what I mean? Sometimes those things need to happen so that you can things for yourself like spiritual journey is never an easy one you have to you have to sometimes you have to be alone doing it going through it yeah Uh, even my boyfriend wasn't around like the universe sent him in a different country that's how I knew I, I needed to be alone and go through this by myself you know yeah yeah I hear you I just also know, you know, a huge thing that kept happening when I was there. And I and I got a job at a really cool comedy club where back in the day it would have changed my life. And what I was realizing, like you just said, was it had nothing. When you get that, quote, unquote, that's what I realized. I was chasing this thing right. that wasn't spiritually aligned. That's right. Because that's not what stand-up or creativity or art is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be the achievement. That's right. And yeah. it's it's about your heart. And And the thing that I was finding continually in L.A. is I really do think that that city is the city of fallen angels. I really do. I think there's a reason why it is, mm. you know, like I do think that the we're these stars that come down to the, I think we're all fallen angels. I think everybody right. on this planet 
Um, unless indigenous tribes, like in the United States, I think we're all like there are earthbound spirits, but they're here to protect the earth. Yeah. Yep. And you walk around LA, and there's I just kept having these experiences after I get off of work at night with just people that I don't think they're from here. <laughs> I mm. just don't think. I mean. It's true. Anything is really possible, to be honest, because, yeah, there's a world out there we can't even see, you know? Because if you think about this, we're only seeing light, but we don't even see the the thing behind the light. I don't know, like, there's a way to, there's, if you you snap a a light with a camera, you see something totally different than what you see with your, with your eyes. So that's, that's to tell you how much there's out there that we don't even know and we can't see. We only you can only see it a certain way. So there's a there there are other uh, dimensions that we can't see. You know, like if you think about it, it's an ant would never know what's going on in the Sahara Desert. You would never imagine there's such place like the Sahara Desert, and on an ant in a garden like that's the whole universe. They don't know anything outside of that. So you think about us human, like we we probably into some bubble that we don't even realize what's outside. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you about Benet, um when you were there. Was that your cause was it your intention to kind of reset spiritually or kind of get like what were you in LA at the time, or were you at in Baltimore when you left um, during COVID or during the start of COVID? Well, I I went to I went well at first I was in Baltimore because I was trying to figure out where in Africa I wanted to go, where it would be easier to get a visa because you know with American passport now they didn't they you know it was really tight to get inside Africa. But uh, but yeah, the whole COVID thing. I was I was in Benin. I went to Africa. But I stayed in Baltimore for a little bit, for like maybe a month or two, just trying to figure out where I wanted to go. And why? But I, hmm. And, and why? Um. Like I don't know how to quite put this in the words. I just, I can feel it. I just don't know if it's <laughs> I'll tell you what I feel. Yeah. And then maybe we can figure out the question. Figure out. Right. I feel like this calm in my heart. I don't know how to describe it. Like a deep breath. Mm, I see. Like a meditative type of, you know, energy. Well, I mean, at the begin at the beginning, we, we were all calm and meditative. That's why we were able to sit in our mama's womb for nine months. So that's why taking a deep breath and being calm is so it feels home, feels like home. But how many people take the time to do that? Walking around all stressed and shit. Yeah. 
yeah, because we wanna we wanna achieve. You know, I mean, I, I don't blame people for wanting to achieve. Like, the man, it's like a sickness. You know, it's so sickening. Yeah. I wish more people would go to Venice Beach. Hmm. <laughs> I wish more people would go to Venice Beach. Yeah, go to Venice Beach, and yeah, Venice Beach is a wonderful place, man. The energy there is just great. Everybody's an artist there. I mean, most people they are artists, and other people that are coming to see, you know, they are interested in art. I feel like everybody there is an artist, to be honest, because like a place you cannot be attracted to a place if there's not something in you that makes you want to be attracted to that place. And I remember the other day when my little brother came to LA, I took him to Venice Beach, and he was like, "Whoa, if you ever you ever looking for me, I'm here. <laughs> come come here to get me." Yeah, he said, "If you ever looking for me, I'll be out here." And I'm like, "Yep." If you know, if you're ever looking for me, because you know my little brother, he has this. He's a Pisces son, like he, the Pisces son, right? I'm in Aries, but I have a lot of Pisces in my chart. Oh, you're in Aries, okay. So yeah. he's a Pisces son, and he he loves he just loves the water and the whole creative thing. And, and he's into music too, so oh, I didn't know you were in Aries, but yeah, that's like my mom. My mother is Aries too. I'm here to be, the Pisces part is here to be creative, but the Aries, I got to, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but learn to be brave to say the shit people are too afraid to say. So. Mm. It's been tough. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. You you know, you have to be very diplomatic. That's what I learned. I learned the hard way that if you want to say anything, there's there's a, there's some sort, some sort of diplomacy, an amount of diplomacy that you need to talk, to speak. Mm-hmm. And I learned that the hard way, yeah. <clears throat> I hate diplomacy. I I don't. I really don't like diplomacy. But that's why all the people, like people that are very diplomatic, I don't like to be around them. I mean, and I respect that, and I actually look up to them because I'm like, man, that's something I can't do. So they, therefore, I respect it. But it's something that I don't really like. I'm not really a fan of. But unfortunately, you know, the matrix is here. We're inside the matrix, and if you want to survive. You you gotta be diplomatic. Yeah, so we gotta learn some of that. I need to learn a lot of diplomacy because I have a, a my master in the twelfth house, so I need to learn how to be very diplomatic, or else my anger will just come out and some crazy stuff will just come out of my mouth. <laughs> Are you your Mars is in air? Is it Aries Mars? Yeah, Aries Mars. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Crazy. Well, yeah, but that's so. Regardless of if you're if you're if you regardless of whether your birthday's at the beginning or the middle of the month, um, the thing that I think that the and I don't, I hope you don't mind me talking about your astrology. Oh, go um, on. Okay. But uh, 
the thing that I think spirit gave you is that either way you've got it would have been a water moon, I think, for both. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have a water moon, yeah. Either Scorpio or Pisces. And it's the same numerology. Mm, that's true. Mm. And I yeah, think it is. It's given you, like, no matter what, that's your power is to know that that's your power. Like, you have technically... Like, you have that as a fail-safe just in case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was. It's, it's so strange how, like, uh, my mom is saying, hey, you're born on the second. And then the people who did my birth certificate uh, are like, well, you're born on the 11th. But then if you think about it, it's almost the same thing. Just a little different, slight, tiny little difference, but yeah. And the the eleven two or the same yeah. and then three three. Mm, yeah, true. Oh, so it is the matrix. You have two birthdays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, well, you know, the um I don't even like. I feel like I don't know. I feel more like I'm I'm one eleven though. Because when I when I check, I look at my chart with one eleven. I feel like it resonates more with me. Because having a Mercury in uh, Aquarius sounds more like me than a Mercury in Capricorn. Yeah, when I when I look at my stone readings for people that are like, this could be my birthday, but I don't know. I say your body knows. Your body yeah. knows your birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Your body knows your birthday. So what are you what are you doing, Austin, for what do you do for a living there? Right now you're gonna laugh. But I got a job in bioethics approval. Oh, that's nice. Sounds like Good job. I hope they don't force you to get the jab. They tried, and then I oh, appealed, wow. and then oh, it's pro- nice. Yeah, it's probably gonna be the fight, you know. Yeah. It's gonna, and I just accept like this is gonna be the fight, but yeah, it's just part of the thing. And if I have to go do Instacart again, or mm-hmm. I'll just go do Instacart again, you know. Right. And, or patchwork some gig some jobs together. But the thing about Austin that I think, you know, if you ever need to get out of LA just to do stand up, I do really recommend coming to Texas because it's more free down here. Okay. Um, and it's just this is gonna be this is the battle we we have to fight. I guess, I guess that's why we're here. I don't know. That's why we're here. Well, people are protesting right now. A lot of protests going around the world uh, against the COVID restrictions because people are just sick and tired of it, you know. A lot of protests are going around. So hopefully um, America rises up too and hopefully. I hope so. It, It seems like the media is really, really trying to make sure we don't see that news. 
No. Yeah, they're trying to keep that news away because they don't want people to think people are rising up. But if you go on YouTube and you look it and you look it up, you see it. Yep. Like you were, I, 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 you were actually the last person I saw in LA before I left. This oh yeah, time. yeah. Yeah, I, I wanted to see you before you leave. No, we had yeah. I. I want to say, like, everything that you said, like, has resonated with me so much, like, and, and it was a very, I feel like we were, like, going through some sort of spiritual thing at the same time, <laughs> um, because before I left, I just, I felt like LA, I can't put it into words, Vanessa, mm. but I feel like that town mm-hmm. has, like, a blanket over it energetically. Mm. Like there's like a film over like literally because it's got smog but like a film over the city. Like there's some sort of like barrier that a lot of people can't see past. You're right. And I feel that too. You're right. I do feel that, you know. But you know what? You've already done that spiritual work. You didn't need this place no more, you know. Um, but I feel I feel like I'm like this is a very uh, harsh place, very rough place, and my spirit needs to be here to. Uh, I need I needed to be here to to break through some walls because you know I came from I don't I know you came from a very conservative uh, community too, but me too I came from like a, a very very conservative community, you know raised Catholic and the type of community where they say no sex before marriage, no kids outside marriage. You have to follow a certain path, go to school, make your parents proud. You know, I came from those type of, that type of community, those uh, such communities. So I needed, I needed something. I need something to really break, help me break down those walls. I need I need hardship in my life. You feel what you see what I'm saying? Like I need I need difficulties in my life. I kinda do because I need that to break down those walls that I have put up growing up just so I could survive in that type of community because, you know, I had to block a lot of stuff. I had to block my creativity. I had to block the change the way I think, I see things, so I could see things their way, so I could survive. You know, I had to just, like, completely transform myself. So I had to, to, to go back and pick up who I really was and free myself from all those barriers. I need a, I need a place like L.A. where there's so many restrictions and a place like L.A. where I have to feel like I'm suffering, like nobody cares. I have to feel like a nobody. I needed a place like this so I could break free from all the barriers that I that I've put up, you know, towards my life just to survive. Because back in the day when you saw me, even even my stage time, what I was doing on stage, I I felt like it wasn't really me. I didn't feel it, you know. I I'm rewriting my whole sex and everything and starting all over because I felt like that Vanessa over there was just was not really me, it was not the real Vanessa, it was the Vanessa that was um, trying to fit in, that was afraid, uh, was the Vanessa that was very, um, 
how can I say, a sheep, you know, a follower. That's that's who I was back then. You know, a lot of people who knew me back, who even knew me two years ago, they, I'm sure they're looking at me right now, they think it's, I'm a different person. I'm not even the same person anymore. So many people don't follow me, and I notice it, you know. I noticed that they they don't follow me on social media, so many people. And I said that's okay because it it proves it shows me that I wasn't I wasn't the real me. If I was able to attract that those those people, that means I wasn't myself. Okay, now I'm myself. I mean I'm still getting there, I'm still walking, you know, it's a it's a it's a never ending process. So it's a good thing. I feel great. I feel good. That's why I feel like I still need to be in LA for a minute. But when the spirit don't want me here anymore and when they feel like I've done the work, I'm going to be sent out somewhere else and, you know, see different things. Well, I would say this in Baltimore, I feel like our little group that was out there that ended up moving to LA, we were all kind of these little kids, even though we were not kids, you know, age-wise. Yeah, right, right. We were, like, in school together, basically. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. We graduated. Yeah. But I was, yeah, I was yeah. can, I, can I counter a little bit what you said? It's not, you know, what you were saying on stage. Like, we were all just trying to figure out, and we're still trying to figure out what we're doing joke-wise or whatever, creative-wise or art-wise. Yeah. True. But it was your light. It was your passion. It was your power, you know? Mm. Those are things that you're born with. And you're, like, you have something that I feel, I don't give a fuck if comedy clubs ever open up to people that stand up to power, (laughs) like, stand up to this bullshit. But you have something that, is very special, and Aww. I feel like, it, it, and I, I'm I'm a you know I'm a nobody, but I can see it. Like I can see that you're, and so, yeah, spirit has, or intuition or whatever. I'll, I'll tell you this story. Okay, so there's a place called Universal Bar and Grill. I go there pretty much oh, every I heard Monday. Of that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's in Studio City. It's um right off the train. It's right off the, mm-hmm, the metro. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would go pretty much every Monday because they would give me stage time Mm -hmm. and I would just chill like an hour or two before with my notebook and they had a little outdoor porch and the homeless, um, community, the homeless people who legit are 100%, I don't think people realize like in LA right now, there are so many people living on the street everywhere and it's it's a it's an epidemic Mm. and this man popped out of nowhere and I was sitting on the porch and he came up to me and he goes thank you for your service wow and I sat there for a couple minutes and I was like is he real like am I fucking schizophrenic and then I was like wait a second and I sat there and this was like a week or two before something happened at at my job that I had where I was like, it's time. But Mm -hmm. it was a week or two before I decided, okay, it's time to go. Right. And that's how I see this. This is a spiritual assignment. We're all on this planet for a spiritual assignment. And I feel like, yeah, you're a general, you're a fucking Capricorn. That's a general, that's, that's what 
Capricorns do. You're the fucking general in the war. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why, you know, I feel that, yeah, yeah. When, when you, I don't know, like, general comes with a lot of anger. <laughs> and you have to, like, manage, to manage that anger. It's like, that, that has been, like, actually one of my, my hardest battle in my life, you know, fighting the anger, managing the anger, controlling the anger, channeling it towards the right places, because I feel like I can't fight it. I can only put it somewhere else, you know? Just feel like it. Just feel like that. Just, I don't know. You know, you understand astrology better than I do, so you, you know, you know what those energies are. Well, 12th house Mars is not easy. I also have a 12th house Mars. Mine's in Capricorn. Wow. So you're, you're a Capricorn, Aries, Mars. I'm an Aries, Capricorn, Mars. Wow. And we mm. have, it's like, here's one thing that my ex, he was, he's an astrologer that's more war-based. He had, um, like, all his readings are based on, like, war and destruction. So a lot of people mm. are coming to him with, like, battles. Um, that they're going through, like literal, yeah. like family battles or out wow. of war. And he, one thing he always, one thing that he taught me is Capricorn people, mm-hmm. we have protections built in our charts. Wow. So you do have, like, if you believe you have spirit or angelic protection. Mm. That makes me feel more hopeful <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah the anger I identify with so I like I think a lot of people right now are angry though yep I believe so yeah I noticed that doing uh, Uber lately because uh, one time I, I went into a home and I mean it was like more like an apartment building and I was looking for a specific uh, apartment, but I was kind of lost. And this dude came out of nowhere. He started telling me, get out of here. Get out of here. What are you? Who? He didn't even ask me, who are you? What are you looking for? Get out of here. And I'm like, bro, I'm looking for someone. I'm trying to de- make this delivery. And he was like, well, you need to get out of here. I don't want to see you here. And I was like, yo, like, relax. And he started saying, watch your language. I'm like, you watch your language. He was like, oh, that's how you want to do it? Okay, wait, wait. I'm going to, I'll, I'll be back. So I was like, what you going to do? Get a gun and gun me down or something? <laughs> he went in his house and the guy that I was supposed to make his delivery, I think he overheard us and he he opened his door and he was like, hey, hey I'm up here. So I went up and I gave him his food and I was like, yo, your neighbor's crazy and you know, I just understood that he, you know, it's Christmas. This dude's probably feeling lonely. He's angry. I don't know what happened in his life. But, you know, someone can't be all happy and do those type of stuff. You know, just seeing someone somewhere. You know, this is an apartment building. This is not a private home. So I'm, I'm probably here looking for somebody like, you know, you don't have to act like that. You could ask me, hey, what are you doing here if you don't feel safe, you know, ask me, what am I doing there? Like, I'm making a delivery. Chill. But he just went, he freaked out and he just went crazy. And I was just like, man, this is so sad because 
he probably just going through a lot. Yeah. You know. I can't imagine people who are maybe misdiagnosed with mental illness that are like stuck inside their apartments right now. Yeah, and taking some pills that they're not even supposed to be taking. Yeah, it's I I've never been solicited for prostitution more in my life. I've I didn't even <laughs> I didn't think like I never thought I've been like when I lived That's in flattering. I guess <laughs> when I lived in, I'll be like okay, alright. <laughs> it it happened once when I lived in New York City, and I learned to like. It, once it happened, I learned okay, you've, this is how you need to like navigate, you know, New York a little bit more smart here. Uh-huh. But, you know, when you're working late at a comedy club and you take the bus, you know, men don't get it. Like, I'm not a prostitute. You know, I'm not here. Uh-huh. Or maybe I am. I'm a comic. So technically maybe, <laughs> you know, it's all, it's all in the, it's all in the, it's all in how you look at it. But it's, um, I've never had to deal with that. And it helped, It happened here in Austin as well, and you were oh like... Oh, my gosh. Seriously? Yeah. What, you know, I've Jeez. noticed I've noticed it a lot, but it, it it's teaching me a lot about men hmm. and what they're allowed to be in society. And now we're at, like, a very interesting place mentally with men, with men's roles or like with the feminine masculine roles mm-hmm, changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it doesn't make me mad, but I will say like be mad safe out there. Like people are, people yeah. are changing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is even much better. I feel like America or the Western world. One thing I would definitely, I, I definitely admire to, um, I would say, let me say white culture, because I mean, America, Europe is mostly, you know, white people. So one thing I really admire about white culture is that, you know, it's, they have put the rape culture on blast way more than other cultures. Like they, they have, you know, try to stop it. They did, you know, you guys are at least talking about it. Like you're at least like trying to do something, you know, about it. Like if you take it, take for example, please. Like when I was in China, I, I I rented a hotel room and I had men coming and knocking on my door because they wanted to have sex with me, and they were being so aggressive and angry. I had to break a bottle and threaten to like, you know, stab somebody with it just to keep them away from me. And when I was in Africa, men are men are men are allowed to like. Men, men are allowed to just like smack your ass and get away with it. You know, I can't tell you how many men smack my ass and you know throw words at me just because I was dressed a certain way. And I was like, well, this never happened in America because I mean, yes, maybe those men might be having those impulses, but they don't, they don't really go, they're not really forward about it. Maybe because America, at least they try to. They talk about it and they they make it look like it's a bad thing, you know, like the recent uh, punishment of all the rapists and them going to jail and stuff like that. That that those type of things never happen in Africa, believe it or not. They will never put a rapist in jail, never ever ever. Like they will blame you that have been raped. Like they blame the prostitute, but they don't blame the clients. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I feel like I feel like America and Europe are a little 
advanced with that. And if you you still feel threatened by it, and this is the most advanced when it comes to uh, the rape culture, like advanced, I mean, like, when I mean advanced, it's like they're going against it. Like, they're more vocal about it. And if you still feel like, you know, this is bad, that means it's really, really bad around the world. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's it's showing, yeah. like, people are hitting a mental breaking point right now. It's It's bad. It's crazy, like, I don't know. That's why they have stuff like OnlyFans just, like, blowing up. Like, OnlyFans is the biggest thing out there because men just can't keep their impulses. I don't know how men are built, but I don't know. I don't know if it's because it's, if it's because the culture supported it back in the day. I, I have no idea why yeah. it's like that. I I don't... You know, I had my ups and downs about it because, you know, there were really good guys out there. There were really good guys, yeah. and, you know, my friends. And But at the same time, I think about where we, so, I mean, you were in Baltimore for many years. Yeah. And you were, you grew up in Cameroon. And mm. it's interesting to see, like, when I was younger, I thought about my friends. And, like, how a lot of my friends dated guys that were in college when we were in high school. Whoa. Yeah. It was, like, normal, you know? Mm. And I thought about that because I was, like, that was kind of seen as, like, you were cool, you know? You were seen yep. as... Yep, And now it's, like, oh, wait, like, that was so fucked up, like... <laughs> Well, that's worse in Cameroon because in, in Cameroon, if you think about it, my mom, she got married at 12, you know, and her husband was like 35 years old, so, and it was acceptable. My mom is only 50, 53, so that wasn't even long ago. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, this is why art is so important because... I feel like comedy is so important. I'm trying to make it funny, but it's like hard because it it really yeah. Like even the stuff like our own government, like in the U.S., like the U.S. government has been legit, like brought to light that all these abuses have gone on for years mm. with like politicians and famous people. And the world is still, like, kind of being like, oh, and and making it be, like, you know, about this Epstein dude. Yeah. And, and Maxwell. But at the same mm-hmm, time, mm-hmm. it's like, but there was legit an island where people that are mm. still in government, mm, 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 mm. still ruling over people, mm, mm. still making decisions about my life and other people's lives. Mm. And everybody's like, oh, okay, did you, um, how's your favorite show on Netflix? And it's like, oh, my fucking, like, what? Right, 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 right. No one cares. I mean, they're the elite, so they, they, they can control information. So you know what I mean? Those two people were just the scapegoat, the people that they picked, they chose to sacrifice. Because to be honest, they, they're more, the other guys are too powerful. That's why they can't do nothing about that. I bet even the judges then <laughs> judging the case, 
know some about it, but you know what can you do? What yeah. can you what can you really do? You know they just they pretty much own the world, so they can do whatever they want with it. If something sits from through the crack, like other people do, ninety nine percent can see something. They could always pick like one guy and decide that hey, we're gonna sacrifice this guy. Let let let's lynch this guy publicly, you know, so that way everybody can be satisfied and we can just like turn the page and like make it seem like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I didn't mean to go <laughs> go this way with it, but it's just so interesting and it does come back to like L.A. to me. I feel like L.A. and D.C. and New York are all kind of like this same thing, like elite power, elite That's energy. Elite. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I feel like I I mean, do you do you feel like elites are are humans? I don't know because <laughs> people some some people call them the inorganic ones. I don't know if they. I don't know. Do you feel like they're human? I I have my questions. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I mean, if 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 they're humans, like won't they? Wouldn't they feel like, okay, I'm a human being, I'm going to die anyway one day, so let me make sure I do the right thing so that if I die and come back as a peasant, I don't get to suffer, you know, from what I did and I don't get to suffer, you know, you know what I mean? I don't get to suffer from what I did in the past when I was in the league. I don't know. I guess I believe in reincarnation, but I feel like if if you're in the league and you're a human being and you 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 know you're gonna die, I feel like they wouldn't be doing this type of stuff that they're doing if they knew they were gonna die. For some reason, I feel like they're not dying. I don't know. <laughs> I agree. I I I so to me, LA when I. I went and lived for a little bit. Like, I, I went on a school trip, and it was also, like, kind of sad the way the trip was. But one of the things, places I went to was Brazil. Mm-hmm. And when we were in Brazil, when you're in Rio, it is 100%, like, there is no question in your mind who the elites are and who everybody else mm. is. Wow. It's more like a caste system, huh? Yeah, and in, in Brazil they have something called the favelas, like they literally yeah. call it, and mm-hmm. they're in the hills. So like people mm-hmm. that live in favelas, which is almost a lot like Venice Beach, has like mm-hmm. tents everywhere, have yeah. created created like their own community in the hills and certain mountain regions of Brazil, like the along Rio, excuse me, and that's what LA feels like. But it's weird because the elite live in the hills. It's so odd to me. Mm. It's the opposite of that, I see. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I, I sometimes feel like I'm glad I wasn't born into elite family. I don't know. I'm just, I don't know why I feel like I'm glad. I think most people want to be born there, but I, I'm just glad I wasn't born there. I feel like it's a, it's a lot of karma that they have to carry later on. Yeah. 
I feel bad. I have my dad. I feel really bad because I know that he wanted us to be like that. I don't know. Mm. I, I feel because of where we, the family came from and how we got here to the U.S. Right. The, the, but, and I've always felt that burden of like, well, I hope I can make us into this thing and I'll try everything I can do to make sure that I carry these wands to to bring light to this area. But as I tried and like went into places like these comedy clubs and see what goes on on the inside and I'm like, or maybe I could just be a good person and be happy. Right, right. I mean, most people want to be that. Most people want to be there. But for me, I feel like it's just, it's just so much responsibility. Like, you don't even realize how much trauma is coming back at you, just being an elite and just being born in those families. I don't know. I feel, yeah. It's, <laughs> how do we heal this, Vanessa? Is it said guru? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I feel like sad guru it would take like thousands and ten thousands of sad guru. It might even take more than that, maybe two millions of sad guru to to go halfway, I don't know, maybe a quarter of a way. Because if you think about this, like the matrix have has been wired for people to think this way and to keep this machine going. You know, the bottom feeders work their ass off and the people at the top profit. And it's been, it's going to be like that forever because when you think about this, like when a kid is born, first thing first, parents want them to get educated, get a job, 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 make money, make money, make money, make money. But they don't realize as you're, as you're coming from the bottom and you're trying to make money and you're trying to have a job, that job can never take you out of poverty. It's just going to keep you in a state of survival. And when you're in survival mode, it's really hard to reach out to your spirit, to your spiritual self and your creative self. That's why most of the time you see the people who end up creating the biggest thing in this world are kids, are people that came from family where um, they they have time, they have that space to relax and and think, you know, and work on themselves and, and develop something like like kids from poverty background where they have to constantly keep three jobs and there's poverty left and right and they in constant survival mode, they rarely come up with anything, not because they don't have it inside of them or not because they're not smart enough. It's just because it, it takes time. You need that time to reach out to your spirit. You know, you need, you need time to, to think. If you're not thinking, outside of the box. There's no way you can't. It's going to be really hard to create anything. And, and to think outside of the box, you really have to be out of survival mode. If you ever heard of the pyramid of Maslow, you know, the elites have figured a way to keep us at the bottom of, like, there's this there's this bottom of need. I think it's need of, uh, you know, when, when they keep you at the level where you you constantly want to eat, and you just want to eat and survive. Like if a man just want to eat and survive, he's never going to think about self-actualization. He's never going to think about um, growing into, uh, how can I put that? He's never going to think about reaching out 
you know, he will never, it's going to be really hard for him to think philosophically, like, because he's stuck where he's, he just can't eat. So he's not thinking about anything else besides eating. He's not thinking about creating Tesla. He's not thinking about starting Facebook. He's not thinking about starting Amazon. Because when you look at those people's background, they they were really from families where they could actually relax. They weren't from, 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 from peasants. They didn't have peasant backgrounds, you know. These are kids from, like, middle-class families where they could, they, they had that, that, that leverage, you know. And I will say I'm grateful where I grew up from um, because I know that it what it took to get there from the other generations before yep. me, but yep. it um it doesn't it's not forgot actually it got forgotten when I was trying to when I was trying to get to the comedy store, I was like part of me was just like your grandma I kept thinking about my grandma, kept thinking about her, kept thinking about like how nobody from, like, the town that my family came from, like, ever did anything like this. And then I got greedy with it. I was like, well, then I'm going to fucking show these bitches. And that's that's when my creativity fucked up because I I got obsessed with, you know, like you said, reaching for resources of, like, you know, it's the same sort. I guess it's like just trying to survive type shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you went into survival mode. Yeah. And yep. That's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's not good for for creativity because you need to be um. You need to be relaxed, and and you need to be like. Yeah, you need to be really relaxed to be able to create. Yeah. That's why I'm, I'm very grateful for my mother taking us out of poverty in Cameroon. I mean, it looks like I'm still in poverty here, but to me, this is like a great advancement. It's like huge advancement from where I come from. So to me, I'm able to relax even in this condition. Like I'm always saying, even if I'm homeless in America, I can be very relaxed in America because I'm home, even though, even if I'm homeless. Because at least here, I can. I don't have to think about what am I going to eat. You know, I can eat. I, my, my belly's full, so now I can think. You can't think with an empty, uh, empty belly, empty stomach. You know, you can't think. That's why. That's why Africa is so behind, because everybody is so stuck in survival mode. It's hard to think when you're hungry. You know what I mean? So, um, I mean, there's food in Africa, but a lot of people have already put in their mind that there's not enough. So when you put in your head, there's not enough, it doesn't matter how much you have, you're still going to feel like you don't have enough. Therefore, you're still in survival mode. Like just come, being in America, I feel like I've, I have enough. Just being here, I feel like I have enough. Like like I'm I literally just being here. I don't even need a job. I just, I'm just in America. I feel like I have enough. So I can, it's easy for me to, when I realized that, I, I, was, I was able to relax. But when I first came in America, I had three, four, five jobs because I wanted to, to to be better than my mother because, you know, you have to try and be better than your parents. My mom wanted me to be better than her. It, it wasn't anything like competition or anything. But I just wanted to take my mom to another level and 
send money back home to my people in Africa. But I, then I realized that, man, that's not how I'm going to take them to the next level by, by, by being stuck in survival mode too. I better relax and realize the luck that I have just being in this country and that's how I'm, I'm, I'm going to able to, I'm going to be able to finally rest my mind and do what I really wanted to do and therefore, you know, create and get us out of poverty. Because really, if you think about this, hard work never took anybody out of poverty, okay? Creation, mm-hmm. being creative, creating a business, creating a machine, creating an app, creating a, an idea. That will take you out of poverty. Creating a joke, creating an art piece, you know, creating a song, that will take you out of poverty. But sitting down and going out there, getting three, four, five jobs, yeah. No matter how much money you accumulate, that survival mode is a bitch. You're still going to come creeping back on you and you're never going to feel like you have enough. And you're going to be stuck in the wheel. And working for somebody else who created the thing and being one of them. Yeah. You know, I appreciate your perspective. You know, I'm grateful that I had. When when my family lineage, we came in around. Where did you ask him from again? Croatia. Croatia. Croatia, okay. Interesting enough, Tesla is... He's he his, he his he spent time in the town that I'm, my family is from. Mm. Um, well, half half of my family, the other half, but a lot of my family, like grandparents wise, mm-hmm. um, like my mom's side, were orphans during like, world like because of what happened with like immigration and everything. And because of, like, the Dust Bowl era, like, you know, people in my family were literally orphans who, like, who had to, like, sign their name to steel mills. Mm. Wow. And and they were, like, I kind of look back and I'm super grateful that they were my grandparents. But my grandma, um, who died, so when, the, the story is she passed away when I I was two, mm-hmm. and she died. She, she was the, I'm sorry. She was the first person who migrated here from your family. They, so from what I've been told, yeah. is when she was little, they put her on a boat, and there mm. wasn't really a story why they put her on a boat with her, like a few family members of her. But basically, from what I've got through meditation, is they were getting her the fuck out. Because World War mm. Two, like all the, I mean, excuse me, World War One, um, and was happening, and 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 Europe was changing. Eastern Europe was changing, yeah. and Croatia is a country that actually split. So it's mm. half Croatia, half a country called Serbia, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they've got their religious wars. So it's like they were fighting with each other based on religion, like, wow. And even in the little town my family is from in Pennsylvania originally, mm-hmm. when you die, yeah, you are separated by graveyard. Hmm. Because like, of the religion? Yeah, because 
even till death, they are still fighting. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. But it's just like the creativity got lost because when my family came here, both Eastern European sides, like Croatian, and then there's Hungarian and Polish on one other side. So they told them that you cannot speak your own language. Hmm. They wouldn't let them speak their language. They were forced to speak English. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's and, that's that's survival mode. They they probably had to go on survival mode. Yeah. So and, your parents are wrong. Oh, and it's just like it makes me mad. That's where a lot of my anger comes from. I feel. <laughs> that's yeah. What I, have to say. I mean, I mean, I, I see why somebody will be angry. You know. So your parents um, are like the second generation immigrant. Yeah, pretty, well, I guess, yeah, everybody came from the other, yep, so they're second. Wow. That's that's, that's very interesting. So, yeah, because me, I mean, immigration, it is, um, can have a lot of, can bring a lot of financial, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, psychological stress on people. So, I could see how that could be can get passed down into a DNA. You know what I mean? Like that stress can be passed down, can get passed down a DNA, to DNA. Yeah, but it, and it's, but then I look at this as gratitude because I feel like you came from, like you're, you came from legit, like all the other comics that have leverage and get into these clubs. Like, I don't think they, People don't realize, like, your story and your life is something that is so beautiful because you literally are a diamond. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Well, you know, I mean, I don't even know how I got into comedy, to be honest. Like, um, I don't even know how I got out of survival mode because that's, that's, let me put it this way, because... To do comedy, I decided to, I had to get out of survival mode before I decided to do this, but I'm just grateful I, I was able to get out of it. Because today, if I'm homeless today, it doesn't even bother me or faze me because I'm just like, well, I don't know, maybe I'm trusting the spirit too much, <laughs> but they're able to, they, they, I was able to get out of survival mode somehow because of that, because, you know, I stopped chasing, I stopped just, I'm a loser to everybody, you know, everybody's eyes, in my family, in my community, that's the price to pay to get out of survival mode, but if if, if that's what it takes, then let it be like that, you know, so be it. I don't think mm. you're a loser. No, no, they look at me as a loser because I'm not married with kids and I'm, I don't have a job that's keeping me awake every day, and you know I don't I don't have a salary, and I don't I don't have stress. Yeah, I, I, I look like I'm not I'm not stressed out about anything, so therefore I'm a loser to them. Because I mean you have to think about this, it's a dream for a lot of Africans to come to America. Like this is like 
my mom tried to come to America for seven years. She applied for a visa to come to America because she wanted to come here so bad because she felt like if she's in America, she would save our lives. My mom has seven kids. So she tried for seven years to come to America and she finally got it on the seventh years. And her, her coming to America to her was like saving her children from poverty and from early death. So when she got here, she worked really hard, sent us money, you know, to help us go to school and stuff. So her bringing me here, because I was the most educated one at the time, well, still is. My little sister, she's working on her master's right now. But I was the one that was able to go to school because my other siblings, they couldn't go to school. They didn't have any parental guidance. But because I was taken away by another family, I was able to go to school. So I understand why it breaks my mom's heart that I came in America and she was expecting me to go to school because her idea of success is going to school, getting a degree, getting a job, getting a home, and kids, right? So she had this idea of success, and then I came here, and yes, I went to school. Yes, I got the degree, but something changed somewhere, and now she feels like she's she failed, and she's seeing other people's kids that migrated here. They, they have, like, uh, homes with five bedrooms, somewhere in Bowie, and, you know, they married to a doctor, and and you have this white picket fence, uh, American dream life, and she it really breaks her heart. You know, she cries every day because of that, because she feels like, she you know, she did everything she could, and now her kids are just losers. I mean, I'm, I'm her kid, me. I'm the loser, so, you know, she feels like I'm, I didn't take advantage of the of America of coming here like this is like a change that everybody want to be here so they can make money but I came here and I decided not to chase the money and she doesn't understand why and how because this never happened before in our family and and I'm doing I'm doing art now and so she thinks I'm somebody somebody threw madness on me through uh, voodoo or something. She she thinks someone in Africa is manipulating me into disgracing her and being a loser and being crazy. She thinks I lost my mind, you know. Because coming from from Africa, she doesn't understand how come with it, you know, I dropped out of everything just to be like this. I don't know. But me, it makes perfect sense to me because I'm asking myself, why should I chase chase these things? Because my soul doesn't want to go there, you know? I don't know, but it is what it is. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm no, people don't look at me like a very, I don't have a good image in my family and in my community because, because of the life that I chose. Well, here's how, as somebody kind of looking from as your friend, you know, yeah, my, my grandma, um, she was diagnosed as schizophrenic, and I'm not saying Whoa. like, and I thought to myself, 
you know, she took care of five kids. She not only Wait, took the, care of... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The same grandma that was brought here through the... During yeah. the World War? Okay. Yeah, and the way I look at it is I know that all my uncles would disagree. Yeah. But what I think she was was a shaman. Hmm. However, what I think happened is, you know, my family was raised strict Catholic. Right. She was a huge, from what I gathered through, like, my whole family doesn't really speak to each other. So, like, it's really hard to get information. Wow, that's sad. But it's, I don't know if this is going to help, but I kind of feel like I need to share this because, I think she was a family shaman, and being the family shaman means you're healing the family of the family karmic trauma. Mm. And that torch gets passed down in each generation. Right. And I think you're holding the torch so that some the next person in your family, like my friend Brooke is here in Texas now. Her and I, she's a comedian. You know, she grew up in a very religious cult where they abuse all of the girls. They, like, mm. literally, like, they lock them in, like, sheds and wouldn't feed them if they were disobedient towards God, basically. Wow. Fucked up shit. But mm. she has, um, she introduced me to this song. It's called Keeper of the Flame. Wow. I would love and, to hear her story. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll try and, fi- um, I'm going to try and, and connect I'm going to try and get her back on the podcast, but um, she's in Texas kind of doing the same thing, just finding her creativity again because New York became a very different place as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But what I feel when you say that, I'm like, I have not, you know, I'm grateful. I grew up in a middle-class family. I had everything materially that I needed and I walked away from it because of the same sort of thing like I saw that it it's like a lie like they're telling us this lie yeah um and I watched you know my grandma I feel like people like made fun of her they called her psycho but when I look back at what she did she raised five kids on her own my grandfather was quote unquote there, but he really wasn't. He was never at home. He like wow. And then the other part was, you know, one thing she adamantly, what I was told, spoke against was she hated the Catholic Church. Hmm. Wow. And I feel like there was a reason why she hated the mm-hmm, church. Mm-hmm. And. To me, that is the word. Maybe she wasn't schizophrenic. Maybe she was creative and yeah. she was a psychic, but she wasn't allowed to be based on the Catholic Church. She wasn't. Yeah, yeah. The environment wasn't favorable. Yeah. Wow. It was like, we're here, like, you're here, you're a keeper of the flame. Like, you're here to keep the flame of creativity alive during a time where. This is a fucking war. We're at war. This planet's at war in some kind of way. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, this is a, this is a this is third wall. How did third 
World War, War. How do you call that? Third World War. Yeah. World. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it is in a way. Yeah. They just, you know, because everything feels so hostile and so uptight and dangerous. I don't know. It's just it's it's weird and scary at the same time. Yeah, but I will say this. I'm so proud of you, and I feel like. In some way, we're like family almost because of Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we are family. We are we are all family. Who knows? Like, I believe nothing happens just um, randomly because you know me meeting you and connecting with you. I feel like we have some comic, you know, ties or connection from the past, from somewhere in a, in a past life. So maybe that's the reason why in this life we, we, we came across each other again, you know. Yeah. And so. then we find each other. Every city we go to, we somehow find each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely. When I come to Austin, Texas, I'll definitely, you know, look for you. Aww. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, mean, I, have an, I have a cousin there, by the way. Well, she's in Houston, but uh, she's still in Texas. You'll you'll never have um when you come here you'll come you you can stay with me. Yay, that would be I'll great. Thank you. you. You'll have a Aww. bed. Yeah. Thanks. You're, yeah. God has graced me. I have a cute little place and I. Oh. And I'm making. I'm plans. so happy. I'm so happy for you. Look at you. Oh. Alicia, right. you're taking. Alicia, Alicia, getting a. You're taking a break. Like, oof, life was rough in L.A. Girl. Oh, it, but you know what? You spend time. I mean, I think you and I have both had times where we've had to sleep outside, and I've said those prayers around the car. Like I had a couple nights where I knew there were like predators around me. You know, like I could feel there was just stuff. I put up like blankets around me. I locked the doors, and I just said, "Look, I'm tired," and. I know that I'm going for this weird thing of comedy, but you got to protect this car right now. Yeah, yeah. And grateful, even even up to the day that I had a car accident. When when I got hit, I felt a bubble around my body, like a bubble of protection. Yeah. Mm Mhm. Wow. But you know what? I know I don't know how you you made me look into astrology. You know, back in the day, I didn't believe in it. I got to a point where I didn't believe in nothing because I was like, I don't believe in nothing. <laughs> That's why one time I made this joke about like astrolog- astrologers and stuff on my social media, and he thought I was talking about you, but not really. You know, I was like, I was just doing it out of like I don't know, just my mind just wanted to put it out there and you know I use my Facebook to test my jokes sometimes but I think there was a once upon a time I didn't believe in anything you know I was like I don't believe in God I don't believe in nothing I don't believe in energy I don't believe in nothing but because of you as you keep on posting about astrology over and 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 over, and over I said to myself I don't know but let me look into this thing I don't know what it is but, you know and then I, I met a friend. Oh, you met him, KG. You know KG, right? Yeah, he's cool. And 
every time I had a conversation with him, he was always like, can I, can I go over your bird chat? Can I go over your bird chat? And one day I was like, yeah, right, cool, whatever. I'm leaving those stuff, but whatever. And then he went over my bird chat, and he was telling me things that I felt like resonated with me so much. And I was like, whoa, hold on. How the fuck do you know this? And he said, that's astrology. And I was like, yo, Christy's been posting about his astrology over and over and over. And I think she's like an astrologer or something. Whoa, I need to start looking into this thing because, I mean, it makes sense. It makes so much sense. Because, I mean, he was telling me things that I could actually feel and see and that I have I've experienced. So it, it felt real to me. And, you know, I started, like, looking into it. But you're the, you're the one who first introduced it to me because back in Africa, we don't we do not do astrology. I mean, there's there's something we do. There's voodoo and uh, there's another way to, like, look into your bird trap. Like, we call it Ifa, Ifa reading. But um, it's a little bit like astrology, too. You know, but I never really believed in those either. I never believed in anything. I didn't believe in voodoo. I didn't believe in nothing. But because of you and KG, I looked into astrology. So I do feel like you were sent on my path to make me realize something. You know what I mean? Like to help me grow spiritually, kind of like, I don't know. I, yeah. I feel that about you. It's like, I don't know, like you were sent on, because I don't think you need to, like people out there that don't need to believe in astrology at all, they could be like, fuck astrology, but at the same time, it's like what you're doing, like you're living the path. Um, Yeah. you, You don't need like an asshole like me to be like astrology like it's like you are you are an artist you are you are you are art you are what comedy should be which is art it should be this truthful art <laughs> like yeah. you bring truth to the world and it, and that's what makes me mad is it's like I see people like you who I'm like they should be heard people should hear you people should hear what you have to say and the fucking system that is right now hasn't caught up to you. Yeah, yeah, that's why it is. But then you know, also maybe the year, maybe that's their karma to to leave and come back again and try the same experience over and over until they get it. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Well, so, Vanessa, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, we're here. I'm out here in LA. I was today. What should I do today? Maybe I'm. I'm probably gonna meditate and uh, go to work after. So. I want to, I know that, uh, thank you for spending so much time on this podcast. I did not think it was going to go almost two hours, so I apologize. No, it's okay. It's, it's fine. It's, it was, it, it's really fun. You know, I don't, I mean, it's cool. <laughs> no pressure. Aww. And I wanted, so, um, 
Vanessa, I know that you're out there. You're out in L.A. Are you still performing? I know you said you're going out to Venice and Santa Monica. Um, yeah. Is, is there a way that people in L.A. can come watch you perform? Can come? You mean, is there a way they can come perform with me? Um, perform with you or support you or support oh. Um, to support me, watch my YouTube videos uh, of the IF Madhouse podcast. I really appreciate it, you know, because as an I create, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm working on that podcast, and it would really be lovely and wonderful if people could check it out. The IF Madhouse podcast on YouTube and the IF Madhouse on. Instagram, follow me at Vanessa is funny. Um, when I'm on stage on the street, uh, if you can catch me, I don't know Venice, Venice Boulevard, Venice Beach, or Santa Monica Town Center. Those are the two places. So, yep. Get your water and get your condom. Yay! Get water and condom. I give out free water and free condoms. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Free condom day. Yeah. Thank you for your work, Vanessa. Thank you for being out there and just thank you for being you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on this podcast. Oh, thank you and have a great day. Thank you. You too. Have a great day. Have a wonderful day. Can't wait to see you soon. Yes, we're going to see each other soon. I can feel it. <laughs> okay. I can feel you too. All right. <laughs> Oh, bye, Vanessa. Thanks. Bye. Take care. All right.